0: Okay, so you have both your boarding passes, make sure you keep those, those will get you on the flight,
1: um, to Albuquerque and of course back. I heard a little bit about you from your counselor. You're gonna be doing a medication abortion
2: today, correct? Usually women don't find out till they're around six weeks. And now I'm in this predicament, you know? That's just unbelievable.
3: As the battle over abortion rights rages across America, lives are at stake. Barriers to reproductive health care access have forced many people to travel long distances across state lines, to freedom of choice, for their body, for their future, and for ours. You'll hear the stories from those seeking abortion care and the heroes who help them along the way, one journey at a time. This is Crossing the Line. Portions of this podcast were recorded prior to the overturn of Roe v. Wade.
4: We just want to welcome you here. Not all religious people hate you or what you're doing. That's why we are here.
3: That's Reverend Daniel Cantor addressing a group taking part in a unique reproductive health care travel program he helped to create. Twenty people are in Dallas' first Unitarian Church parking lot, where they'll soon board buses to Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. Next, they will fly over 600 miles to Albuquerque, New Mexico, where each individual will receive abortion care denied in Texas. Then they fly back home the same day. It's a long journey, but this church has a long history in the battle for reproductive freedom.
4: This church, about 200 yards from here, in the building next to us, is where the Roe v. Wade case started. So we're in a a difficult situation right now. That's why we're doing this. Um, But I want you to know that you're in a safe place here, that I'm the senior pastor of this church, and I believe strongly that you have the right to decide what happens to your body when you are pregnant or not pregnant, with whom you want to be pregnant, or with whom you don't want to be pregnant, okay? And it's important for me, for you to know that, that we believe that really strongly. And so, Ruth, you wanna introduce yourself?
0: Yes, so I'm I'm the minister who'll be traveling with you. And uh, when I was a young woman, I was pregnant and I had an abortion. And it was a hard decision for me, but it was the right decision. And I promised myself then that if I ever had the opportunity to help others, I would help because people helped me. So don't hesitate, to come to me, but I will be checking in with each one of you over the course of the day saying, how are you? What can I do for you? How's your spirit? We're gonna hold you all
3: in a lot of love. Some in the group have never flown on an airplane before, but they are boarding a flight today because this is one of the few options available.
5: In 2021, Texas passed what's called Senate Bill 8 or SB 8, which is a law that bans abortion roughly around six weeks of um, pregnancy and about two weeks after somebody may have missed their uh, menstrual period. So that's a very short window of time. They have to find a clinic that provides abortions, take time off of work, arrange for child care, do all the things that they have to do to get to the clinic.
3: That's Dr. Bhavik Kumar, describing the devastating abortion restriction in Texas. Growing up an undocumented brown gay boy in a small East Texas town, Kumar learned at an early age that certain marginalized groups didn't get the same access to health care.
5: Texas also has a mandatory 24-hour delay, so you have to make two visits to the clinic and hope that on that second visit, where you have to see the same physician you saw the first time, um, and have another ultrasound done that there isn't cardiac motion on the screen when we do the ultrasound. So it's really reduced the number of people that can get abortion care in Texas. And what it's done um, is force a lot of people to travel, you know, in some cases, thousands of miles to get the care that they should have been able to get closer to where they live.
3: Texas's State Bill 8, or SB 8, marked the first time that a state imposed an abortion ban six weeks after conception. As a result, clinics like Dallas's Southwestern Women's Center can no longer provide abortion services for many patients seeking their help. Southwestern
6: Women's Surgery Center, Mayholtan. May okay. okay. um, do you live in the Dallas Fort Worth area? And when was the first ambulance able to period? help you set up
4: the consultation? I'm Reverend Dr. Daniel Cantor. I'm started at the Southwestern Women's, Southwestern Women's Clinic here in Dallas to support people having abortions. Pre-SB8, they would see 100 patients a day. Not all of them would have abortions. Some of them didn't need abortions, um, but 100 patients would come through those doors. Now when SB8 was passed, they were down to 30 patients a day. 15 of those patients, approximately a week, were eligible for a safe and legal abortion in the state of Texas. So I went up there and said to them, well, what are we doing with those other patients? And they didn't have an idea. And I said, well, what if, what if we took a, why don't we bust them to the clinic in New Mexico? They said, great, let's do that. And we started talking, and we started talking with the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice in Albuquerque, eventually landed on the idea that we would fly them to uh, Albuquerque in a group. Just to put it in context, some of them are flying two hours, spending 14 hours, just to get a prescription to come home. They all are qualifying under the poverty line. It's the people who are the most impacted under the poverty line who we're helping here.
6: South Washington and Surgery Center, how may I help you? Yes, we do. Um, Could I just get a bit of some information from you before I schedule you? All right, perfect. Um, Do you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area? Okay, perfect. Um, and have you had an ultrasound done recently? Okay, um, when was the first day of your last period? So, just based off the first day of your last period, it looks like you may be about six weeks and four days into your pregnancy. Are you aware of the Texas Bill 8 Okay, so with the Texas Senate Bill 8, it's a law that was passed September 1st of last year, 2021, that bill states that all abortion clinics in the state of Texas will not be able to provide an abortion to patients who have detectable embryonic or fetal cardiac activity that typically starts at six weeks from your last period. So what that basically means is we would not be able to offer you the abortion here in Texas.
4: We have three teams of volunteers who rotate through just to support the morning takeoff uh, group. We have progressive clergy who go on the trips uh, with the patients. Um, We have hundreds of clergy around Texas who are organizing not only to educate congregations around reproductive dignity and reproductive justice, but also to organize for this post-Roe world. We're looking at a massive public health crisis, really. So the clergy of this country who are concerned about this, we're unifying around religious coalitions for reproductive choice and giving people access to an abortion that they want to have and that uh, they should have the right to have. If they're post six weeks pregnant and they qualify and the clinic can get abortion funds, they get an offer to travel to New Mexico. Many of them have children already, families. They're trying to sustain jobs to support their children.
2: I'm 18 years old. I have a one-year-old. I had him at 16 years old, and I was pregnant at 15. But it turned out to be one of like the biggest blessings of my life, you know?
3: That's Julia. Currently, she and her boyfriend and their young son live with her parents on the outskirts of Dallas. Julia is pregnant again. Not only can this young Latina mom not afford another child, but she wants to finish school and help build a stable life for her small family.
2: If I don't have an abortion, I'd have to stop school. And you know, it would completely bring me back to where I was with a newborn and no education, I guess, no further education, and that seems terrible. <laughs> like I have a toddler and then a newborn. That's crazy, that's super hard. I already know Julia
3: has going. arrived this morning at the Southwestern Women's Center. Founded in 1973, right after Roe v. Wade became law, the center was the first healthcare facility in Texas to provide high-quality, low-cost, outpatient abortions. Anti-abortion protesters are often outside the center. On this day, Julia passes through the gauntlet to get inside.
2: Texas really messes things up for a lot of people. Usually, women don't find out. So they're around six weeks, you know? I didn't know till, till Sunday. And it's, what, Wednesday today? That's crazy. You have to give your period a chance. Yeah, what if it's late? And now I'm in this predicament. That's just unbelievable. Thank you so much for your patience. Okay. All right.
1: Let's
3: That's try. Tammy. She's one of the center's intake counselors. She's been doing this job for nearly seven years. She meets with Julia.
2: I've never done this, but well, it's just, I already have a kid. And like the worst time to get pregnant right now for me, you know, I just started doing something for myself. Yeah, and I can't go through this pregnancy. I already feel super sick, like really bad.
7: Oh, I'm yeah. so
2: sorry. I went through with, with my baby. Uh, I went through like six months of sickness, like all day. Couldn't hold anything down. It was just so bad. I haven't thrown up any food, but I'm nauseous all day every yeah. day since I, especially since I found out, which is on. Absolutely,
1: Sunday. and that makes it harder to to care for your little one.
2: Yes, <laughs> I haven't been there for him, and like I can't imagine nine more months of this, yeah, with absolutely. a daughter. That's crazy
1: to me. Question I had, so you said that um, things felt harder. Um, when you say that something felt harder, is it harder to make this decision because you've had yeah. your kiddo? It
2: just overpowers any guilt you have. Like you okay. just, you know what you can't and can't control, We you know what, what you can handle. Yeah, I think yeah.
1: you're exactly right. We know our own situations. That's so. exactly
2: why I'm doing it.
1: Tell me a little bit about your support system. Who's kind of
2: been um, available for you? My grandma, my mom is family, if we oh, ever God. need a break, yeah. they're there. If we need to do something, they're there. But no amount of support will ever take away your duty as a mother. Yeah, <laughs> Like if you're, at the end of the day, you're still a mother and then no one's gonna help you enough. It always falls down to the mother to take care mm. of
1: the kid. And how has how that support system been with this decision? Have this... They
2: don't know yet, okay. but I do plan on talking about it. So I'm gonna talk to my mother. Do you feel like when you tell your mom she'll be supportive? Uh, honestly, I don't think so. But who knows? and she could surprise me, I don't know. We haven't talked about it much, but she's not, I don't think she's pro-choice.
1: Now I know you came in today, um, you know, expecting to be eligible for, to be seen yeah. tomorrow by us. Yes. Um, and unfortunately we found out that you're not.
2: Oh, honestly, I had a feeling. Did you? Uh, I had a feeling, yeah. It made me, oh, and my heart dropped. Like, I just, I wasn't even surprised. I was like, why did I know? Why did I just, but they instantly
1: gave me a little relief. Yeah. Uh, that relief really was the travel program? The like travel
2: program, yes. Okay. Gotcha.
7: Yeah, uh, but it's still new. Our clinic is a very busy clinic. We're happy that we can help this handful of individuals. Something we're very proud of and we we would. We would love to be able to help more, but at this time, it is limited
3: to those 20 slots. Renee is the clinic point person for the travel program that works with Reverend Cantor's church to shuttle individuals to New Mexico for abortion care, thanks to private donations.
7: People are just finding out that they are no longer able to receive an abortion in Texas. That can be very jarring and a very vulnerable, stressful moment for someone. Especially if they came in thinking that they were maybe three or four weeks pregnant and find out that they're eight weeks pregnant. and It's just a large emotional toll, understandably, and can be an obstacle for our patients. That may include having to take off of work or having to find childcare. Or maybe they traveled a long way to even get here. They have to drive those two or three hours to get to the parking lot, you know, the crack of dawn, and then drive home after a long day. It might seem like one solution would be, you know, get a hotel room for the night, but These are not individuals that can just afford a hotel room.
3: Renee meets with Julia to explain what will happen over the coming days.
7: I just have kind of the details about the actual travel day, so we'll go over those. They want you there at 5.45 a.m., so it is in early morning. Everyone will get in the van, and they'll take you to the airport. They are going to have your boarding pass and everything, so you don't have to worry about checking in or anything like that. And then they'll take you through security. The flight is about two hours long, so I am going to be your point of contact. And then if you have any questions the day before the trip, Thursday, or the day of the trip, you would want to check in with um, one of those individuals there. Those are all of... My items for you, any questions for me? Now you covered a lot. Oh, Thank you. you. You're welcome. Like I said, you can reach out to me.
3: In the week wait. between her first meetings at the center and her flight to New Mexico, Julia suddenly isn't responding to calls. Whether she will show up for her flight is up in the air. After several days of no contact, Julia finally checks in.
2: Like, since the since the day that I left the clinic, I was, um... I was really sick and super out of it, and I had to go to school at the same time. I didn't tell my mother till like three days later. Keeping a secret, it takes a toll on you know, like something big like that. And then once I told her, you know, I went downhill from there, like she was calm and collected, but two, three days later she came in, you know, crying, telling me I shouldn't do it, all this. She just made me second guess it which made the whole rest of the week super um, stressful. And then I was sick on top of it. I've been sick every day, just every day. I literally had no energy to get out of bed. My mom is super Christian and basically we have to move out. Like we're moving out because of this. Like Everything she's doing right now is literally based off the religion. Like the fact that I'm committing the biggest sin ever in her eyes, yeah.
3: Twenty travelers gather at the church, and despite her mother's disapproval, Julia is among them. Brittany, an escort from the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice, or RCRC, is addressing the group. The RCRC is a broad-based, national interfaith movement that, as they put it, bring the moral force of religion to protect and advance reproductive health.
0: So you have both your boarding passes. Make sure you keep those. Those do get you on the flight um, to Albuquerque and, of course, back. You also receive two papers. Um, So you'll have the legal waiver of our program and you'll have our guiding principle paper. So this is kind of just your consent that you're coming along with us. Due to the environment in Texas, uh, this is just like a precaution to keep everyone safe. Privacy, please, no pictures or social media, um, especially of other patients or of our clinic. Um, As you can imagine, not everyone in Texas agrees with what we're doing. So we don't want to put our church on blast and have people show up here We just don't want them knowing anything we do anyway. Once we get to the airport um, and get through security, you are able to go to your gate. Um, However, if you are not there by the time the flight boards, we will leave you. So please make sure to be at the gate as soon as possible. If you want to talk, we're here, Daniel's here. If you don't want to say one thing to me this entire time, that's totally cool. Whatever is most comfortable for you, is fine with me. Um, does anyone have questions about the airport or are worried about anything? All right, so right now, we're going to go downstairs. There's a giant bus right there. Come out down the stairs, and we're going to start loading up the bus. So that we can be-
3: the travelers, along with clergy and escorts, catch a bus and head to Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport even the first time flyers are eager to get on their way for the two hour flight to New Mexico.
1: Hey folks, we've been cleared for departure. Double check those seat belts and enjoy your flight.
2: I can't believe I'm doing this right now. I've flown like twice. It's like the first time again. That's an interesting way to put it. Ladies and gentlemen,
1: at this time, we are in our final approach for a landing. Once again, please double-check that your seat belts are securely fastened and seat backs and tray tables remain in the full upright and locked position. We'll be on the ground shortly.
3: Once Julia, along with the other 19 travelers, arrives at the clinic in Albuquerque, she meets with Anya, the counselor who walks her through the rest of the process.
8: Um, So kind of an overview, right, is that you're going to start by taking one pill here in the clinic with our doctor. That is called mifeprex, and that's the medication that will stunt the growth hormone of the pregnancy. And so you have to wait at least 24 hours before you take the second step of the medication. Um, So those are called mesoprostol, four little pills that go in between your gum and your cheek. And that is what's gonna start the process of your body expelling the pregnancy. Um, and then the other are two prescriptions that they have gotten filled at the pharmacy for you. Mm-hmm. Sounds like RCRC volunteers have already um, gone to pick that oh, okay. up. okay. All right, so this pill that I'm gonna take today, uh, I just swallowed? Yes, and- it'll be one that you swallow. Uh, most people don't have any symptoms after they take it. The very um, mild symptoms you may experience would be some light uh, spotting and maybe some cramping um, or also maybe some nausea is also normal. We do want to make sure that you keep this pill, the Mifeprex, down um, and don't throw up within 30 minutes of taking it. So we do ask that you wait in the waiting room after you take it for that amount of time. Any other questions? Uh, I'm going to take the pill right now. So I'm going to bring our doctor in here to meet with you. She'll ask you if you have any questions. She'll give you the pill to swallow and then she's going to step out.
3: Next, Dr. Emily Cohen enters Julia's clinic room.
1: (laughs) I heard a little bit about you from your counselor. You're going to be doing a medication abortion today, correct? Mm -hmm. Tell me what questions are on your mind for me.
2: There's like just my worries about if it works or not, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly right. So the first thing that's going to happen is you'll get a phone call from us, from a nurse, to follow up after Mm -hmm. one to two weeks. And that person is going to be asking you about what happened when you took the pill. So that person's going to ask you, How much did you bleed? Do you feel like you passed the pregnancy? Are you still experiencing symptoms of pregnancy or not? Those sorts of questions. Mm -hmm. And studies have shown that that kind of screening is actually very uh, good at predicting whether or not the pregnancy has passed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so of course, if we're hearing what you're describing does not sound like you passed the pregnancy, then we're gonna have you go get an ultrasound where you live. Mm Um, closer to home so you wouldn't have to immediately fly back here but you would need some more assessment Um, and if it looked like there was going to need to be either a second set of fills or an aspiration procedure to complete the process then you would have to come back here for that
2: okay yeah yeah that's that's it I'm fine okay
1: are there any symptoms bothering you right now yeah do you feel like you could swallow a pill without vomiting? Yeah,
2: I, I've been swallowing dophyrin because it's been bad. Any severe headaches
1: or chest pain or trouble breathing? No. Any pain when you urinate? No. Okay, everything sounds pretty normal. And then I'm going to go ahead and give you a And this water is for you. Okay. If you want to just hold your hand out, I can kind of pop that into your hand, and then you can swallow it down whenever you're ready. Okay. I'm gonna step out of the room now. Your counselor's gonna come back in and get you set up with everything you need to go home. Okay, thank you. And then you're gonna get that phone call from us in one to two weeks. But if you need to reach us between now and then as you're going through the process at home, you'll have our 24-hour call line so you can get a hold of us anytime day or night. Okay,
2: thank you so much. I got up at 4.30 in the morning. Eight hours later, I took one pill. And now I have to go back home. (laughs) (laughs) One pill. New Mexico. That's crazy. I'm kind of lucky, you know? Hopefully all goes well.
5: Attention,
4: please. We are now boarding to Dallas. All passengers.
2: Yourself, baby. I, mean, I know, I know. Here, sit down. I'm gonna give you your dinosaur, and we're gonna
3: clean that up. Nine days later, Julia has completed the medication abortion procedure and is back home.
2: The abortion itself is not—it's not that like it felt long, but you need to have like at least a day off to yourself. I took the pill and like, as soon as it kicked in, just like, it, it knocks you out. You knock out and you just wake up and you're just like, you already feel the difference when you wake up. I woke up brand new, <laughs> literally. It was an exp- It was like a lesson, this is a lesson learned, you know? Not, I'm not playing with my life anymore like that. Especially in Texas, you can't afford that. What's that huh? Yeah, and I'm going to vote, obviously. I hope everyone, I'm going to try to push everyone that I know to vote. I started doing school again, and I, I started being a mom again, and just a normal person again. I don't regret it.
3: And for Reverend Cantor, it's another week and another group of 20 individuals that need his support.
4: This is a social justice issue for me, it intersects with racism and it intersects with poverty and it intersects with patriarchy and patriarchal notions of who should control their bodies. Ninety percent of them are women of color. Um, This is a, you know, this is a real issue. This is a war on the poor. and it overlaps with so many other justice issues that uh, we are seeing rise to the surface of American society. So what I want them to know is that not all clergy are condemning people who are having abortions. I want them to know that God is love, that God loves them, and there's no shame in what they're doing, and that we are here for them, and we're here for the long term. So I am here, and if they need to find me and they want to come back and work through what their emotional or spiritual response to the to the abortion is that they have today um i'm here for them i'm
3: here for the long haul this is crossing the line some names have been changed to protect the identities of those participating This podcast was brought to you by Population Media Center. Executive producers are Lisa Caruso and Alex Demonenko. Co-produced by Kathleen Bedoya and associate produced by Dominica Ruelas. This episode was field produced by Joanna Friedman with production services provided by Red Cup Agency and story producing by Olivia Almer. Research assistance was provided by Sarah Field-Bullion with production coordinating by June Neely. Impact Strategy was led by Charity 2s. Special thanks to the Southwestern Women's Surgery Center in Dallas, Texas, Southwestern Women's Options in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Dr. Curtis Boyd and Dr. Glenna Boyd, and to Reverend Cantor and the First Unitarian Church of Dallas, and all the volunteers. Also, thanks to the New Mexico Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice, Dr. Bhavik Kumar and Planned Parenthood and to all those who shared their stories with us an additional thank you to our partners power to decide abortionfinder.org and plan c pills check out ctlpod.com for new episodes abortion resources and information on how to take action find us wherever you get your podcasts